I'm Sylvia Burgos Tofnes, and this is Deep Roots Radio. Every week, my guests help us connect the dots between what we eat and how it's grown because every single food dollar we spend either protects or degrades the environment, produces foods with high nutrition or empty calories, and either helps pay a fair wage or keeps farm workers among the working poor. We get to make that choice every time we push a cart through the grocery store, visit the farmer's market, and eat at a restaurant. I hope you enjoy this interview. It must have been seven or eight years ago when I walked into the kitchen from the garden with an armload of ripe serrano peppers. Oh, they were red and beautiful. And I told my husband, David, well, I'm going to make some uh, serrano pepper jelly. Well, he looked at me like I was nuts. Who's going to eat anything like that, he said. Well, let's fast forward to today. And if there's no pepper jelly in the house, he considers it a major catastrophe. Well, I love jellies of all kinds, and I use them in a bit of my cooking. In fact, I love my jalapeno jelly on my grilled cheese sandwiches. Jellies, jams, and preserves are definitely not just for breakfast anymore. They can be the basis of an amazing array of dishes throughout the meal. Appetizers, desserts, meats, fish. And we have with us on Deep Roots Radio someone who knows about this very, very well. It's Deborah Ann, who is the author of Jam It On, a brand new cookbook out of central Wisconsin that's all about using jams, jellies, and preserves as a basis, a foundation for absolutely delicious meals. The first thing I asked Deborah Ann was, why the focus on jams and jellies? Well, when I was young, I grew up on a farm in central Wisconsin, and my mom canned all sorts of preserves, you know, basically from raspberries or whatever she could find in the garden. And being on a farm, you know, we didn't have a lot of money to make sauces or anything like that. So she kind of um, started inventing ways to use jams and jellies in her cooking. And I kind of picked up on it. And that's how I got started with my jams and jellies. Now, how did you think to take it beyond what most people think jam and jellies are for? I mean, everybody's used to you know, jelly on toast. They're used to peanut butter and jelly. And maybe if you're really adventurous, you know, right now we're into scones and using them on on biscuits. How did you kind of start getting into this really broad use of jams and jellies throughout a meal? Well, you know, it started with just adding, like, I, I make one that's called kick and pepper, and it's very similar to your jalapeno that you were talking about. And I started using it as a sauce on, like, spicy chicken wings. Mm. And it was so good. And then I just kind of started using other jams and jellies for different things. And what I realized was that, you know, you could easily use them on desserts, like as a topping. Mm-hmm. Um you could use them as a cake filling, ice cream. Oh my gosh, my dad would sit down with a bucket of ice cream and take raspberry jam and put it over it. Mm. But 
I mean, now I take habanero pineapple and put it over my ice cream. And believe it or not, it's delicious. You know, Deborah, one of the things I think that we should mention right now is that you actually make a full line of jams and jellies. Uh, What's the name of your brand? It's called Slippery Moose Preserves. And I have somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 25 different flavors. And they range from like very simple ones that are raspberry. Um, I have flavors like crazy plum, um, hot to trot pineapple habanero, caramelized sweet and spicy onion, and lemon ginger, just to give you a few. And one of the things that people always love about my flavors is that they are so unique. You can't really go to a store and necessarily just pick them up and when I went to farmer's markets, that is one of the things that people really, really love. It's just all the flavors, and they're just different. So just so that people can understand, not only can they get your cookbook, Jam It On, but what farmer's markets uh, do you actually show your and sell your preserves? My main one that I go to is Saturday mornings. It's from 10 to 1 at St. Croix Falls, and it's right by the library. Um, I love that farmer's market because this is such a unique group of people that come through for cabins. And um, there's a lot of people from different countries that come through. So I love I love the uniqueness of all the people that come through. I also occasionally go to the Osceola farmer's markets on Friday from 2 to 6. Mm. And sometimes at the Somerset um, farmer's market as well. So you have these unique flavors and combinations, which I think is another one of those wonderful things about the reemergence of the local food systems. You can get something that has that just says, this is us. This is our cuisine. This is what we're good at and uh, what's flavorful from our part of the country. Because you live in uh, Wisconsin still, right, in Richmond? I do, yes. And so this is really much, very much about the St. Croix food shed. And I'm just like so thrilled that we have your kind of expertise here as well. You know, Deborah Ann, I was flipping through your cookbook and I'm just dying to try some of these things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I've got a, a one of my, uh, my stepdaughters is a really creative uh, and experienced cook. And I know she's used my jalapeno jelly in her uh, meat cooking. Um, But man, I was surprised to see the huge range of things that you can apply your jams to. Because um, if I'm understanding correctly, you consider those jams and jellies and preserves as sort of like a sauce base. How do do you kind of describe that? Well, of course, they they can be used on toast and all of that. But I mean, they're sauces, they're drizzles. use them as dipping sauces. Um, Like in paninis, they're used as, instead of mayonnaise, I use a caramelized sweet and spicy onion. So there's just so many different things that you can kind of trade out other things for. Like even um, with um, squash, you can add different flavors to it. Or even like cranberries as a side dish, you can add orange or lemon or even peach would be good in there so there's just a lot of things you can add it to 
that some of people the, don't think of. Yeah, you're not kidding because as I took a look at, at your table of contents and was going through your book, one of the things that I noticed right away was um, pulled pork taco pileup. Can you describe <laughs> that recipe? Yeah. Um, so what I like to do is take pork and put it in the, the slow cooker all day and put a little pineapple, hot to trot pineapple habanero in there. And when it's done, take it out and pull it so that it's um, all shredded. Mm -hmm. And then add more hot to trot pineapple habanero and let that really meld together and kind of get warm. So it's kind of a juicy, spicy, sweet. It just gives it like another layer to the meat. And then um, I also make like a salsa on the top that's got corn and green pepper and onion a little bit of habanero if you like something hot in there, mm-hmm. and cilantro. And then you just kind of mix it up, and it just, like, really layers the flavors of your cooking. And that's that's what I love about it. Wow. You know, another place where I found uh, um, it to be surprising that you could apply your kind of thinking was in the sassy fondue. What's your approach there? Well, there are again so many jams that are really good dipping sauces and especially if they're warmed up a little bit they kind of get back to um the consistency of jam before it's canned Mm. and so if you dip like cheese or even your bread in there or even little pieces of meat um it's just such a great fondue do um we end up having a lot of parties at our house and especially over the summer and sometimes we don't want to do a whole meal we just like to have hors d'oeuvres and a fondue is just great because people can kind of taste the jam Um, you can have different ones out if you like spicy or if you like sweet Um, even like dipping shrimp in lemon kiss ginger you know is just such a yummy thing to put together you know you know, you talk about yummy, and of course, my eye had to trail down to the desserts in your book. And one of those yeah. that I noted right off the bat was your Black Forest chocolate and cherry cake. You know, I can barely yeah. say that without watering. <laughs> yeah, without drooling, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, um, yeah, you know, the reason I put this in there is because my daughter loves the Black Forest. And she, her birthday is on Christmas Eve, so she always feels like she's kind of, you know, gypped. Yeah. <laughs> so I try to try to do something special for her on that day. And one of the things that she always asks for is the Black Forest cake. And basically, I mean, it's a pretty simple recipe. You're, you're taking chocolate cake and cutting it in half and putting Black Forest, which is chocolate and cherry jam. Believe it or not, chocolate and cherry jam you're putting it in between as the filling Ooh. and it's, it's delicious. We, we actually have a cherry tree in our backyard. Not many people have them. Mm-hmm. And so all my cherries come from my, my tree in the backyard. Wow. That's local. When you can do it. Yeah, within, right. Exactly. You can do it within a hundred feet. What about the ingredients in your preserves? I know that as I take a look at your, your book, your, your terrific uh, cookbook, one of the things I think about is, well, cheapers, I don't make all of these jams and jellies and preserves. I mean, pretty much I'm a one-note Sally here with the jalapeno <laughs> jelly. But, 
you've given me an array of, of uh, menu items that I could go back to. What are the ingredients like in the preserves that you make? Well, um, I try to use, um, you know, obviously things from my garden, um, you know, strawberry, rhubarb, raspberry, cherries, jalapenos, um, those types of things. But I do make some um, recipes that obviously we don't grow here, like lemon and ginger. Um, Sunset pina colada is made with um, organic coconut cream and pineapple. Mm. So, so there's certain things that I can't, um, you know, we obviously don't grow here, so I do have to buy those ingredients. But, um, you know, when I make my jams, I don't put any artificial anything in there. You know, it is sugar, of course, but, um, you know, it's not high fructose corn syrup. It's There's no artificial colors. Um, if I did want to make a color, say, um, say I wanted to make something a little bit more red, I might use something organic like beet juice. Ah, got it. And um, choke cherry actually is very, um, it's a beautiful color. It's such a beautiful color. Um, But they're also, they can stain things very easily. So there's ways of using natural colors if you want to change the color of something. But to be honest with you, I don't change the, the color of things very often. Okay, so we're dealing with what if, uh, nature has given us, huh? Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I mean, you know, when you think about it, um, you know, when I'm at the farmer's market and I line all my jams up, they're just, like, so colorful and pretty. You have your oranges and your reds and your deep plums and your raspberry colors. Um, so, I mean, it's just so beautiful. I don't even know why you'd want to add anything anyway. You know what I mean? Got it. Okay, and uh, right now, for those who may have just tuned in, we're chatting with Deborah Ann and her new cookbook called Jam It On, where she uses uh, her jams and jellies and preserves as the basis for just amazing dishes that are way beyond toast, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and topping them on on, uh, scones. This is about, well, one of them I just was looking at, Deborah Ann, which is gotta have me some meatloaf. A lot of people would never associate a jam, jelly, or preserve with a meatloaf. How did you work it in here? Uh, For that particular one, um, I just added it on the top um, and then let it seep in. Mm. Um, The flavor... Lots of times your spicy jams, um, if you were to put it on toast, it would be very spicy. But when you add it to meat, it really kind of um, calms it down and you just get a really nice flavor. And it's kind of like the sugars and the hotness of the jam kind of meld together in the meat. And mm-hmm. it just gives it a, another layered flavor that. That's just kind of how it works. You know, you make me think, Deborah Ann, of some uh, research that I was reading recently about how flavors work. Uh, more specifically, how salt works with acid, works with fat, and how all of these interact when you add heat to the mix. Okay. And it's really, um, your recipes are really a testament to that because of the thing that you just described, how that. Uh, sweetness interacts with the meat 
really does change the way those flavors then come out in the meal. So some mm-hmm. people who are not used to these kinds of combinations might think, oh my goodness, that's going to be way too sweet. How can you possibly have uh, a jam or jelly associated with a meatloaf or with a steak or with a piece of chicken? And really, the combination of acids and heat, the fat and the sugar, really meld to bring out a, a very different kind of flavor profile that is, as yeah. you said, Deborah Ann, it adds layers of complex flavor mm-hmm. that are just delicious. Mm-hmm. Just delicious. Yeah, one of, one of my favorite ways of doing that is, for instance, the Melt My Heart tuna sandwich. And most people wouldn't think of putting jam on a tuna sandwich, but there I have, um, it's called caramelized sweet and spicy onion jam. And it's actually my number one seller, believe it or not. Hmm. And it, um, it's got a little bit of um, kick with peppers that are in there. There's um, pepper flakes hmm. and it, the, the onions are, are all uh, caramelized with honey and brown sugar. And when you put that on a sandwich, you put it on instead of mayonnaise. And then I like to grill it because then it kind of just lets everything meld together, you know, especially with cheese. And it is so good. I mean, you'd never want a sandwich again without it. You know, I think that's one that I'm going to try. I'm a big tuna fish uh, sandwich gal. And I've had caramelized onions in the past and they take a lot of work to really get down to real caramel, where you've got like a jam going on. So mm-hmm. that sounds really, really good, especially when you say that your your particular product has that kick of the uh, the pepper flakes, which I'd never tried. So I'm going to have to try that. Yeah. You know, speaking of fish, another one that you've got in your cookbook is Lake Michigan salmon bites. I like to add lemon ginger kissed jam to the top and you know a lot of times when you go out for fish you get lemon you know you get a little piece of lemon and it's kind of the same thing this just happens to have a little sweetness to it and um when you put it on the grill and you let it cook it just those sugars and everything melts in with that fish and it's just is so so good let me ask you deborah and how do you test your recipes how do you go about developing them what I will do is make it and try it out on the family. I have some kind of picky eaters. I have an engineer and um, one daughter that is kind of picky about stuff. Mm. So I figure if everybody likes it at the end of the meal and everybody gives me their thumbs up, then then it's it's a winner, you know, and, and I'll make it again and again. So that's that's kind of how I how I test my recipes. You know, that's so interesting because what you have described is something that is so different from what um, usually happens in cookbooks. In most large cookbooks, there is extensive testing by strangers, people who very often themselves are professionals in the kitchen. And you're Mm -hmm. describing a home testing method that to me says, wow, that's more likely to then succeed in my family. Um, Because you've got a range of ages and a range of of, uh, preferences there. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I'm I'm lucky in my family because we all, a lot of us do like to cook. 
and I have some friends from Oregon and Canada that come over and we come up with these unusual things and like I said I'm just lucky to have family and friends that are willing to taste and to give me their opinion and then we tweak it if we need to you know got it got it well we're wrapping up on our time together but I thought I'd go to one more recipe and that is your German potato pancakes I love potato pancakes but (laughs) how is it that you came up with yours well Again, you know, I come from a very German family. Um, You know, I never realized it, but my mom cooks a lot of German food. And one of the things that we dearly, dearly loved was when she made potato pancakes. And, you know, my mom always had a lot of jam around. And sometimes we had maple syrup, sometimes we didn't. But more often than not, we put jam on our pancakes. And it was just a nice way everybody could pick their own and... Um, I absolutely love potato pancakes and I'd, I'd make them every day if I could. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, pulling together a cookbook is no easy task, Deborah Ann. Why did you decide to put so much work into putting out Jam It On? Well, when I went to farmer's markets um, selling jam, my customers kept asking me, you know, I'd tell them these great recipes and they're like, you should really write that down. Hmm. And after a while, I thought, you know, they're absolutely right. You know, after four or five years of hearing this, I thought I really do need to spend some time and write this down. And I've had wonderful response to my customers at farmer's markets. I mean, they love it. So it, it just is a very natural thing to sell with jams. Got it. Well, Deborah Ann, if people want to learn more about what it is that you do and where you will be, let's say, week to week at a farmer's market, where can they go? Yeah, um, the book is available on Amazon. Um, Just look under Deborah Ann or Jamadon. And you can also see um, information on the publishing website, which is prairiepondpublishing.com, and also my own personal um, author website, which is DebraAnn.com. All right. And that's Deborah Ann with D-E-B-B-R-A-A-N-N-E. If you're looking it up and you want to Google things as well. Okay. So that's about the book. Now, where can people learn more about your jams, jellies, and preserves? Yeah. If you take a look on the internet under slipperymoose.com, you can see all the flavors and uh, it kind of tells you a little synopsis of, of all the flavors that I have available. Visit my website, bronxtobarn.com, to download this and past interviews, to learn about my farm, and to reserve 100% grass-fed beef. We deliver to Minneapolis and St. Paul, Minnesota. Thanks.